This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Best and brightest, tonight's theme for the Democrat National Convention is working together, unitedly, unified with unity, together, unified. What do you think? Did they they capture that theme and get it across? Very tossed. It's a funny thing. What is? Well, many things. But let let me, one funny thing would be if I did not discharge my opening duties correctly. At least I ought to be able to duty that. I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest. Together we are the Blaze Radio Network. Our line enabling you, as is, at least here, your right to steer the show to proffer your opinion, complaint, observation, or other beaumont as you feel may be an appropriate contribution, including critical, to this show with the best and brightest across America and beyond and the ships at sea is one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. The very least you will do if you call is be treated fairly. And today, tonight, you will know that you have expressed your opinion, and indeed, let's not kid ourselves, you believe you've got it right, don't you? Of course you do. And chances are you do. I know I do. At least I know I believe I do. And I believe that you believe you do too. So at the very least, you'll go to bed tonight knowing that the best and brightest across the nation, from sea to shining sea, heard your opinion. Not everybody, but a lot of people, almost all of whom count. You will today share with people who count your opinion, and share it with more people who count than perhaps the combined opinion sharing you've done your entire life. You may speak today to more people at once than you end up speaking to in your entire life. And there's no extra charge. There is no service charge. There is no gratuity though I'll provide my address just in case you're thusly inclined, at one 900 
1-888-900-3393. Oh, man, we're going to miss them when they're gone. Whatever we think about these conventions and conventioneers, we're going to miss them when they're gone. But it's okay. We won't miss them much because we'll have that much more time to say what we think, as aforementioned here. And, and that's, that's a good thing, too. But we are going to miss them when they're gone. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Now, I started by saying, and I almost made the mistake of continuing my spontaneous utterance. I started by saying it's a funny thing in this business, and you know what? So is your business. Whatever your business is, whether your business is being informed each day, and it takes a lot of time to do that, by the way. I know. And or you're raising children. And I don't know how you get to listen if you're raising children. I don't know how you get to listen if you're doing any other job. But whatever your job is, however conventional or unconventional that job may be considered by people who don't do it. Because only people who don't do your job have enlightened opinions as to what you actually do for your job. Right? Right? And that does, just doesn't mean an, a, another parent or another insurance adjuster or another attorney or another farmer or another. The, I don't care what your job description is or of what your job is composed. You have your own story. You have your own unique challenges. No one could do your job but you. You know what? There are exceptions. And I suppose I hope for my family. I think it's a good thing to hope for one's children, though there you go. See? Already, here I am raising your children. I think it's a good hope for one's children that they find something they love, whatever that is, whether it involves ever going to an office or applying for a job formally, whatever it is. My wish to the people I love, whom I know, and the people, many of whom hear my voice at this moment, whom I will never have the privilege of knowing, or knowing better. But it is my wish for you and for your children that, you, that they find something they love and about which they could say, you know what? Nobody else can do my job. My job may have a name and a number. I may be, you know, a a G22A slash 17. Because these days, almost all jobs are coded, right? Digitally. Okay. My wish for us, all of us, is that we find something we love, and if it happens to be a job that's coded, you can still say, no, no, no. No one does. There are other job descriptions that match mine, but there's nobody else that does my job the way I do it. And if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, they would move in or advertise for they would hire another G22 slash 117B, whatever I said. 
and they would find one, and they would plug one in. But she or he would not do the job as well as I do it. Because they wouldn't do it the way I do it. That's what I hope. That means you found something you love. You found something you're good at means you found something you love. And to remember that nothing lasts forever. If you're really lucky and you have a job you love, you remain connected to it for as long as you work. I have always hoped to die at the microphone. I mean, literally. I'm not... I don't fish. I I don't play a lot of bocce. Uh, I don't know canasta, dominoes, or gin rummy. I don't know what I would do. I mean, I, I know what all of my days will be like after I'm not on the radio. And other than the number of hours I'm on the radio, that they will be the same. I will spend 16 hours a day following, analyzing, taking notes about the news, having opinions, recording them. And then, so long as the blessing continues, I get to share them. Without that blessing... I have the blessing, or as it's known among this particular audience, not this one here, you, but I mean this other one I'm talking about. If I no longer have you, my new audience is my family, and they would call this blessing the curse because then instead of me having a couple hours a day or more to share my views of the world, it means they have to listen. And... They know what that's like, you know, like even on vacations. Uh, And, you know, they love me, but they don't necessarily love that. All right. uh, We're about to take our first break. We're going to get into a DNC review. Uh, Our review of what happened is happening with the Democrat National Committee. And I put something together. Uh, It's not like I've written it or anything, but I've thought about something that I've never done before, and I can't believe I've never before done it. And I'm going to call it the Sanders story. And it's not just Bernie. It's Bernie and his wife. And if they have immediate family, it's them too. It's, It's all the Sanders. And it's, in short, the Sanders story. It's something we never think about. It's something that those of us in the business don't know about. But I have it. I have it. I've witnessed it. I've been a part of it for 25 years. What happens to candidates who are going through what Bernie Sanders and his wife and other immediate family, if any, is something very human and very profound. And it's happening right now. And I've been through it with them. And I want you to hear the Bernie story. Because 
I think you just may think of all of these candidates a little bit differently. Maybe not better, but differently once you've heard the Bernie story. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. I am a big fan of disruptive ideas, and this year, Casper Mattresses is on the top of my list. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I love sleeping on my Casper mattress. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at an unbelievably fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And better yet, it breathes so you don't wake up drenched in sweat. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your home. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. Imagine that, a company so confident that their product is what you want that they'll offer a 100% refund. Made in America, with free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash glen and use the promo code glen. Terms and conditions do apply. Go to casper.com slash glen, casper.com slash glen. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. With partners, dear partners, you, the best and brightest, welcome back. one 3393 Okay, I can't go <clears throat> fanciful, footloose, and carefree giving you my opinions on the sort of verbal side, the essay side uh, of the show without, it seems to me, delivering on my obligation to comment on what is happening, which certainly includes what most recently happened at the DNC. Tonight's theme is working together, unifiedly, together, unified, in unity, together, unified. Okay. There is from last night, There is probably from this week, there may be in convention history, no, there will be in convention history, remembered a standout moment, which is Bill Clinton, Bill, the first ever elected president of the the United States ever to be impeached. That Bill Clinton. Hey, Rocky. I just set the line. Uh, Okay. Clinton's speech last night. Uh, That wasn't a speech. That wasn't a speech. That was performance art. That was brilliant. That is public speaking taken to the nth degree. Public speaking does not get any better than that. Public speaking is not a derivative of a debate. It is otherwise. 
debate is a derivative of public speaking. If you go in with a flow chart, uh, a slide, a presentation up on the wall, you start with public speaking. What kind of speaking? Public. And all of the other sub-elements, by virtue of their definition, derive from the top issue on the board, public speaking. What flows from public speaking? Eloquence, voice, voice modulation, maybe voice training, articulation, uh, persuasiveness, personability. There, there are 100 things that make up public speaking. Any one of them alone generally will not do. If you are brilliant at one of them, one of them alone will not do. One generally needs to have several of the top elements in order to be thought, in order to be an extraordinary and exceptional, a gifted public speaker. Last night in Bill Clinton, you saw an explanation for how and why he's gotten away with everything in his life. You can see why he would have been a great trial lawyer. You could see why he may have been a great professor. You could see why he may have been a great number of other things. Well, he was a two-term president of the United States. First elected president ever to be impeached. The bastard is what he is and was, but that wasn't a speech last night. That was performance art. That was public speaking elevated to oratory, elevated to performance art. Think of it. Think of the way it was delivered. But in the end, I'm going to jump to the end and then come back. The end, think of the way he grabbed and held in the palm of his hand the audience. You could have heard a pin drop in the top row during any moment of Bill Clinton's performance. Was it because of superb oratory? Yes. Was it because of gifted eloquence? Yes. Was it because of precise articulation? Yes. Was it because of persuasive use of words strung together in a superbly talented way? Yes. But you start with its unique structure. The unique structure made it interesting, compelling, personable, romantic, persuasive, timely, and here is the genius. The structure, and what is the structure, Jay? The structure is, I'm Hillary's best friend. 
I'm going to tell you things about her only I know. And then, even though what he proceeded to do may have been made up of total lies, he already had you. It was performance art. The structure, I'm Hillary's best friend, I'm going to tell you secrets about her, no one else knows but me. That structure defies criticism because no one else on earth can say, no, that didn't happen. No, he's lying. No one, he is impervious to criticism because of the brilliant structure of his, call it a speech, but again, it ain't a speech, it's performance art. In fact, one might say that choosing to deliver this narrative about Hillary Clinton in the structure he did did so in a manner that could not be impeached. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show. I know, I look at this and I I can't believe what I'm saying either, but here it is. Bill Clinton last night. Welcome back, best and brightest. I'm Jay Severin, 1-888-900-3393. I am not surprised, so I was not shocked. Bill Clinton is a gifted public speaker, and last night what we saw was gifted public speaking. It all added up to brilliant performance art. And you speak of the elements and sub-elements of public speaking. Ironically, that Bill Clinton's voice, Bill Clinton, he would be the only elected president of the United States ever to be impeached. That Bill Clinton. That his voice is weak actually helped him grab and hold the attention of the room better than if he had been one of those screaming memes who start screeching the minute they get in front of a podium and a crowd. I don't know what it is, but I would compare, and I hate doing this, but compare Rudy Giuliani the other night at the RNC, who frightened me, I had to put up the livestock and children because Rudy was waving his arms and screeching. He was pegging out all of the dials on the controls. Everything was in the red, about to shatter. And he still, he screamed more loudly. And yet, Bill Clinton... He said, let me tell you a story. Now, come on, gather in now here. Gather in here now. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about someone named Hillary. And the entire room, like it was a campfire, 
leaned forward, and there was utter silence as he told his his fairy tale story. But he told it with absolute silence and respect, and everybody, God help you, if you had dropped, if your cell phone had gone off, or you dropped your bag, people would have beaten you to death. Because you, you, maybe you missed a syllable. Now, the bottom line is that his performance was brilliant. I welcome, so long as you consider before you call, making the mistake of conflating his performance, how you would rate it as a speech, like how you would rate it as an Olympic dive. This is why we have Olympic judges have to write down their score And there are several of them. And then they all have to hold up their score for everyone to see. Okay. As long as you do not conflate performance with content, I am fascinated sitting here waiting to entertain your argument that Bill Clinton's performance last night was not brilliant. Again, as in terms of what he needed to do and wanted to do, not ultimately, but what he needed to do within that hall last night. What he needed ultimately to accomplish is not accomplishable. I'll get to that. But how about the segment of Clinton's soliloquy in which he outlines the history of his attraction to and wooing uh, <laughs> of Hillary. I really thought I would be ill. I don't mean to be a terrible lookist, though I am, but have you looked ever at a photograph of what Hillary Rodham Clinton looked like when Bill first laid eyes on her? It's a great mystery to me that Bill was not wearing glasses, not only thicker than Hillary's, but thick enough to be, if you put a building around it, it would be an observatory. You could look at the Milky Way with those glasses. If, If he looked through those glasses and he saw Hillary Clinton and he saw something attractive, I'm telling you, that's an observatory. That's not a pair of glasses. Get those things over to MIT. Put a building around them. But darned if he didn't sway, probably, some weak-minded souls that Hillary who is only a kind of farmer. You know what kind of farmer she is? She's the kind of farmer that, hi, what do you do? I'm a farmer. I see. What do you grow? I grow government. I see. How's that working out for you? It's the biggest non-cash cash crop in history. How's it working out for me? 
You must be a sucker, a fool. You must be a taxpayer. Because what I grow is government. And then even though it yields nothing and costs infinitely more than it does to plant and harvest, I grow it again. I lose money every year on this crop. And you know what the people do? They give me more money to grow more of the biggest cash-losing crop in the world. And, and yet, I am a change agent. I'm an agent of change for 30 years. Look what I've changed. Hillary Clinton has been in politics for 30 years. And last night, her husband almost convinced me that she's an agent of change. And folks, you know, I would have to put Ann Coulter and some other scholars first. But of the group of the top 25 people in America who have followed Hillary Clinton since the days just before she became first lady of Arkansas, I'm one of those. I know everything there is to know about Hillary. Now, admittedly, I know some of what I know based on the firsthand reporting of Ann Coulter and other scholars. But to follow this woman and her history is to listen to Bill Clinton last night and almost have to keep throwing ice water on your own head to say, he's talking about whom? No, this, I mean, this is, this is great stuff. This love story, I'm going to cry. But he can't be talking about Hillary Clinton. What? He saw Hillary Clinton in line in the first week of law school, and he, he swooned. You ever see a picture of what Hillary Clinton looked like in the first week of law school? She actually looks better now. Except then she looked roughly the same, only not as good, and was 700 pounds less of her. And look, I know, I know, I know, I'm a lookist. I'm no male model. I'm a guy. I should shut up. I should not talk about her looks. I know. I've heard it all. And it's okay. I'm prepared to hear it again. But the fact is, Bill Clinton was what? 22, 3 years old? When he first laid eyes on Hillary? And he's up there telling the world last night that he swooned that he looked at her with her frizzy hair and her 18-inch Coke bottle lens glasses and her, what happened to my Coke can? I don't know, but there's a really big can over here. That a 22-year-old young man, and he may not have been a male model, but the funny thing is with American men, I would say American earthling men, is that their grab exceeds their reach when it comes to attractiveness in women. Ultimately, 
men find the same one one hundredth of one percent of women on earth attractive, only they don't have access to them. This is one of the reasons why people go into certain businesses. They may not know. They, I'm not saying they do it for that reason, but it's one of the reasons they stay in that business. The business I was in for years, and I, and I would narrow that down to uh, politics, and by virtue of politics being on TV. Right. You can't imagine how much better looking I am when I was on tele. When I walk into a restaurant or a bar in Manhattan, and I'm there with my friends, or I'm there alone, or whatever, and there's there are attractive young women who have seen me on television within the last 24 hours. You don't imagine how good I look. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. You are my partners, the best and brightest. Blaze Radio Network, one 888 Partners online, I just have to finish this, and if you can stand a few more minutes, uh, uh, what do I do here? All right, let me try to do both. Let me try to split the baby. Bill and Hillary, you want to know the real story? I can't tell you. I am an expert. I am an expert on Bill and on Hillary and on Bill and Hillary. I cannot tell you if it would be open, open, wild speculation for me to say what attracted Bill to Hillary. I can't tell you what attracts anybody to anybody. But, I mean, if you were to tell me, uh, you know... uh, that Marie Osmond, even now, looking the way she looks now, had been in that line next to Hillary, and he chose Hillary. Clearly, he's mentally ill. But but I, I can't explain that. But the real story is, somehow, she hooked up with him. They hooked up. And she stuck with him during what would be considered, and I know Rush has talked about this, and he's right, and 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 frankly i know this a little a little bit the people with whom the clintons went to school they they became ivy leaguers it's you can become an ivy leaguer you're not necessarily born ivy leaguers some people are some can become and you know what i, I don't think there's anything wrong with that it's called ambition and if you find yourself speaking a little differently and your table manners a little better and you're dressing a little better and your aspirations are a little higher uh, after college, uh, you, you, then you didn't waste college and you went to a good one. Some people didn't need any of that retraining. Some people did. Most of the famous people that you and I know about were not to the manner born. 
most of the people that are famous that you and I know spoke very differently. Their vocabularies, their manner of speech, their manner of behavior, their manner of self-presentation, their wardrobes, their views of the world, their tastes were all very different prior to school, especially if school was an Ivy League school, than after. Now, the people who don't go to Ivy League schools call that phoniness, unless you were born. I mean, if you make any adjustment, then it's phoniness, okay? That that argument is there to be made. I'm among the guilty parties, so I'm there to argue it. I was born middle class, and I like to think that my opportunities in education exposed me to people, places, and things that lifted my aspirations such that, look, I ended up on the radio. So, so much for that theory. But you know what I'm saying. And since I'm not going to get to our partners on the phone now, I want you to know if you can manage to hold, I will feature you and uh, thank you with all my heart. But the real story with Bill and Hillary is that she submitted herself to a fate worse than death. Someone who went to Wellesley and Yale went down south to Little Rock, stayed there for 15, what was it, 15, 20 years, and slogged through local politics because she thought that someday someday and she was right she was right but in the course of that time not only did she make what she regards as enormous self-sacrifice she also broke a lot of laws apparently out of which she just slithered bringing us to present day Severin on the Blaze Radio Network Best and brightest, I have seen many things uh, by virtue of my unusual occupation. What is What the heck is my occupation? That is a good question. But for many, many years, most of my life, my occupation was to be one of these fellows you hear about who is the strategist for the campaign. I've seen some things I suppose I would rather not have seen. And I'd like to share some of those with you as unappealing as it may sound. It may be a glimpse into something into which before you have not had the opportunity to glimpse. So, sure, it's kind of like going to the zoo. But let's do Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest, Jay Severin. 
on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 I want to say two things about uh, Bernie Sanders. Difficult, sensitive for me to say, but hearing John Lewis of Georgia, and I can't do, I cannot impersonate his voice. You hear it, you'll know it. Hearing John Lewis of Georgia in that unmistakable voice, indelibly associated with the heart of the golden era of America human rights movement, you know, rising in its baritone boom for Hillary Clinton, the Clintons who have played black Americans like a cheap harmonica and who takes them for granted in the worst way that so many African-Americans do not recognize or just see no option to. John Lewis's voice rising against a true revolutionary like Bernie Sanders with whom I vehemently disagree and, and disagree with every single molecule of what Bernie Sanders believes, of every notion, every sense of what the United States is and ought to be. Despite that disagreement and my believing, my belief, right and wrong, that he is wrong, wrong for America, But that notwithstanding, an unmistakable hero of human rights who ought to be recognized as such, despite our misunderstanding, because someone's misunderstanding, so I'll be kind and say someone is misunderstanding our political views of the world, to hear John Lewis given a choice between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders And to rise in opposition, this great civil human rights fighter, yes, hero, John Lewis, to have the choice between a phony like Hillary Clinton and the real McCoy, Bernie Sanders. You know what the real McCoy comes from? I didn't get this from, uh, I got it from family, so it ain't from Wikipedia, So it may be right or wrong, but I don't look things up on Wikipedia. I either learned them or I don't try to pretend that I, uh, that I learned them. The latching between railroad cars was one of many inventions that was, uh, the work of a black man that was stolen by a white man. And the white man who stole the patent, the idea, the latching mechanism between railroad cars was named McCoy. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, was, was named something else. Was, uh, say his name was Smith, okay? The black man from whom he stole the latching mechanism, which was and now more so is the standard latching mechanism on railroad cars on the entire planet Earth. The, at first, the, 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 the white guy who eventually stole it tried, tried to manufacture his own, 
tried to take the black man's invention and tinker with it and kind of, you know, retrofit it and kind of retro engineer it, reverse engineer it and come up with his own. And he managed to get it to market. And a lot of people lost railroad cars and limbs because of this inferior product. And for many years, the word in the marketplace, and I mean right out there in Gary, Indiana, where some guy showed up on a train probably, trying to sell the railroad company some new latching mechanisms for his train, they would say, we're only interested in the real McCoy. Is it the real McCoy? Because McCoy was the name of the black man, as I have been taught by my grandfather, who invented it. The black man was named McCoy, and when people wanted to buy those latching mechanisms, they would say, hey, look, I don't care how much cheaper or better you say it is. I want the real McCoy. Is it a real McCoy or not? From which springs, again, as I was taught, I hope, I hope correctly, the, uh, the saying, the real McCoy. All right. To see a civil rights hero like John Lewis given the choice between a phony Hillary Clinton and, in this respect, the real McCoy, Bernie Sanders, is a tragedy. If for nothing else, that Bernie Sanders was honestly, you know, has been honestly for 30 or 40 years earning with actions, not with words, not with political commercials. Bernie Sanders has been earning with a lifetime of personal commitment and sacrifice something like John Lewis has done. You know, proving pretty rare among human beings is a commitment to something like other human beings. And in Bernie Sanders' case, something with which I may disagree, but in the course of human rights, has to be recognized that this is something he believes in and has been working for his whole life. And uh, to risk his life on countless occasions, did, did John Lewis, to establish what Bernie Sanders fights for. Again, I don't agree with Bernie Sanders, but that's who he is. Best and brightest, I have no dog in the Democrat convention fight, but what heart I have breaks <laughs> when I see Democrats long dead and now alive hoping for solidarity in their movement. It must break their hearts to have a Bernie Sanders come along. Forget his skin color. It must break their hearts to have a Bernie Sanders come along and, and, and then a great human rights activist like John Lewis doesn't go for Bernie Sanders. He goes for the phony Hillary Clinton. Who will say anything? You know, who will say anything? She'll do... This is someone who will do and say anything to win black votes, who will betray black people to get their votes. Mr. Chairman, somewhere today in the heart of John Lewis and other Americans proud in the traditional human rights movement, 
you know, have to be people who say something's very wrong here. Something's very wrong when a faux human rights phony, you know, who is the uh, Hillary Clinton is the Elizabeth Warren. What Elizabeth Warren is to Native Americans, Hillary Clinton is to almost all of her issues. The cheap imitation who will do and say anything for whatever support she can get. Without regard to the sacrifices and beliefs and the graves of people who actually suffered and fought and died for American civil rights. You know, this is not to make Bernie Sanders into a heroic figure, which he isn't and doesn't deserve to be, but it's unmistakably and an illustration of how the immediate political needs of the day can and do supersede even the most sacred considerations of history and reality. It is a man or a woman, you know, that spent their lives fighting for something, not at, not cheap politics that deserve the support of that booming baritone I heard last night of John Lewis and, and yours and mine in some circumstances. Right. I mean, your support and mine. How sad that a man... Yes, I disagree with them on every conceivable matter. But a man like Bernie Sanders stands today and fails to get the support of black Americans like John Lewis. I believe that the obligation of conservatives, of patriots, to note this exactly because we disagree with the players involved. Because we do agree with this particular element of their agenda, human and civil rights. We claim them, and no statute, and no statue ought to honor Hillary Clinton. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, best and brightest. I'm sorry, I got technically fouled up at the end of that break, what the the end of the story was to say. Um, It kind of broke my heart to see a civil rights hero like John Lewis rise in opposition to Bernie Sanders, who has spent his entire life on John Lewis's side, really and truly. And, and rise instead to support over Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, one of the great phonies who, who would be a plantation owner if she had lived 150 years ago. Or a plantation foreman. And it just, you know, no good deed goes unpunished sometimes. Bernie Sanders, at the end of his political life, deserved to have, no matter who he was against, Bernie Sanders' life, life's work earned him at least enough that when one of the last living civil rights heroes stood up at the DNC to say good things about somebody, Bernie Sanders earned the right to have John Lewis say good things about him. 
and it must have broken his heart. That's all I meant to say. Glenn, thank you for your great patience. Welcome. Jay, can you hear me? I sure have that privilege. All right. Well, thank you, first off. Uh, always a picture show. And, you know, thank I was you. first going to... I'm having uh, trouble hearing you, though, now. What's going okay, on? Okay, hold on for one second. How about now? Is that any better? Much better, much better. Okay. Um, you went into the whole Clinton thing, and I'll tell you, I'm 56 years old. And so I went through the whole Nixon uh, uh, situation at a very young age. Right. Could you and, get closer to the phone that, again? I'm just, I don't, Dave, is this a volume problem? Can we help it? I'm just having trouble hearing Glenn. Okay. Is that any better? All right. Glenn, you're, you're not breaking up or anything. It's just a very low volume. So I guess do what Americans do when they visit Europe. Speak anything? loudly and wave money. Okay. How's that? That's better. Okay. So the one thing that I remember about Richard Nixon, and first off, I just want to say something to the generations that didn't know. We're talking about 18 minutes of missing tape compared to 3,000 emails. So Richard Nixon went 30, into the situation. 30,000, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Nixon went into this situation, and the difference is the man knew that he did wrong, and if that was going to proceed for him to go through the process of, uh, of being impeached, it was not because, and I don't think this is obviously an opinion, about what it was going to do to him as the president, but what it was going to do to hit the office of the Bingo. presidency. Bingo. And that, and that is the difference between people that were in that generation and where we are today with the Clintons. They don't care what it does to the presidency. They don't care what it does to the United States. And they can just, they'll come out clean, they'll side talk you, they will do anything, and they will come out smelling like a rose because you're, they're so good at talking that you will forget who and what they are. Well, everything you said since they don't care about the presidency is a matter of opinion that gets harder and harder to justify only because it clearly, you know, is opinion and and it, it's d- difficult to nail down motive and what's in someone else's heart. But the easiest defensible point of opinion you're making is one on which we I agree with them all. But, I mean, the one that would be easiest to defend is your first, and that is, I think, demonstrably, easily, provably, the Clinton, uh, yeah, the Clintons learned, and they saw, and they said, we're going to get rich. We're going to get paid. And I don't care. You know, we see that the culture of the United States is a twerking culture, and they knew it 30 years before it happened, if you want to give them credit for anything. They saw that no one cared anymore. And that decent people was an Episcopalian phrase from the 1840s. And no one cared anymore about or to be decent people. And they were going to get paid. And so to them, politics was not public service. It was a means to an end of fame and fortune and influence. Absolutely. 
I, I think that's why they're shameful. I, 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 they, they don't care. They don't look. Look what Hillary Clinton has been given. I thought about this today. Honest to God, I sat there and watched this, and a moment came up in the news today, and I remembered Hillary Clinton uh, and her uh, having done well at Wellesley. She was a little bit of a star there. She was in Time Magazine's graduation speaker, so she, you know she was a, uh, an emerging star, but. She got to go to Yale Law School, and that ought to mean something to you. I mean, I mean to one. It ought to mean something to her. And I don't think it means anything except it never meant anything but a resume box or a paycheck. I, I am truly surprised at uh, Bernie Sanders. And but I guess not because there is a. I have a minute. Here. It's yours, but I want you to know. Okay, on a box. But I, I and I am truly surprised that you know, as as a conservative, and I and again, I'm not going to you know align myself with Republican because if if anybody were to come out and to try and destroy a man in all running for office and in that fair game. I'm really kind of surprised where Bernie Sanders is not saying more of, look, this is exactly what the problem is with it. Yeah, with it's not. Parts, Glenn, I'm sorry. I have to go. I, I thank you for the call. And please call back soon. Uh, you're, you're a great caller. And, and the point that you won't get to fully make here is the one I'll presume to make for you. And that is, it's not in Bernie's blood. He lacks killer instinct, but one ought not need them. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. I want my JTV. Uh, I don't have it for you, but uh, I do have your J Radio for you on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 I've had to make the toughest editorial decision there is. I've had to spike uh, my own poetry known as the Bernie story. Uh, it's, well... It, what it is, is long enough that if I do it now, I won't be able to keep us up to date with what happened last night. I don't mean old news. I mean new stuff that's happening because of last night. And so I'm going to have to edit out my own uh, Bernie story and do it tomorrow. But I think you'll want to hear it. It's the story of what happens to politicians and their families when they lose. It's my promo on Glenn's show tomorrow morning. And if you hear it, you'll hear me say it's it's a it's a psychic whiplash that can happen in other circumstances, but most frequently happens in American life in I, I suppose it happens to one hit wonders uh, in the music industry. I mean, how many stories have you seen on network television 
you know, two years, five years later of uh, the, the, the hip-hop star that bought the mansion of Orson G. Wells and now is eating from the food bank. There is a political equivalent, and it's about to be Bernie Sanders and his wife. And because I have been right there with my clients, right there watching this happen, warning them about it in, in politely as possible, because there's no way to politely do it, which is the problem, but trying to warn clients who over the course of one, two, sometimes three years, if they're incumbents, sometimes 10 years, where I've become welcome at their family dinner table, where I have been asked to visit them at their during their vacations, where, where this happens, this happens. And I've seen this happen, and I know what I can't say is about to happen to the Sanders, but I can say absolutely to you, I know the danger of what could happen to the Sanders starting already. And and a little bit, a tiny bit of what that's about. But I want to keep us up to date. All right. Um, I already gave you my impression of Clinton's speech. The bottom line is, did he win any votes? And I think he may have won a few. But I think he mostly made uh, women and Democrat men cry. And, or, or, or men uh, presenting as women that day cry. And, you know, kind of buttressed the pro-Hillary people so that they feel better about Hillary. But I don't think he went out and grabbed any significant number of Hillary votes that didn't before exist. So the bottom line is, in a way, if if you're a bottom line kind of guy or gal, you could say the speech was a failure. I'm not judging it that way. I mean, I will. I'm capable of judging it that way. And in that dimension, I say to you, it was a failure. But it really wasn't a speech. It was poetry. It was beautiful. It was brilliant. The structure of it, which made him impervious to criticism, because here is someone saying, let me tell you about my best friend. Let me tell you things you don't know that only I know about my best friend. Are you kidding me? America loves this. They pull up the chair, man, and say, okay, you know, tell me. I want to know. This is a love story mixed with gossip, mixed with politics. How ironic that the person telling it put his wife through the most public embarrassment of any political and perhaps even public figure in the last 50 years by humiliating her with a series of uh, whoring activities. But that his big moment is, let me tell you about my best friend. And we all buy it hook, line, and sinker. But you see, I don't think we did buy it. I think we rented it for a few minutes. Now, 
as predicted here uh, Monday, but last week, actually, as discussed here this week, but predicted last week, we said this is where Trump needs to use his unique counter-programming guerrilla political skills to steal the limelight. Remember what he did every night of a primary, any important primary, Donald Trump held a press conference at 9 p.m. Eastern time that night. And win, lose, or draw, Donald Trump was the lead story. And we said, we've already discussed in the last few days, whether he will do this and our expectation that he will during the Democrat National Convention to flummox them. Well, Trump counter-programmed Today, brilliantly. This morning, he had an open presser, an open press conference, which the media, the mainstream media flocks to. If you've ever gone to a game farm or a zoo or you know agriculture, when it comes time, when those oats swish in that pail or whatever it is that indicates to the livestock that they're about to eat, you better have your steel toe boots on. I mean, they, they come a calling, and they did. Donald Trump waited until last night was over because last night's coverage doesn't matter. You know, I mean, what goes on at one thirty last night doesn't matter. What matters is the coverage this morning and today of what happened last night. In fact, eighty percent of the people who follow it and get their news about the DNC last night, get it from their news this morning and today. They get it a day later, essentially. Donald Trump held an open press conference this morning, which was a barn burner. He attracted all of the mainstream media. He said, among other things, quote, I hope the Russians can find the rest of Hillary's 30,000 missing illegal emails and the mainstream media went into a panic. I mean, they shot themselves right there. And they, this is another one of those, I can't believe, I can't believe that Trump said this and that he could still be in the race. They can't, he can't, they can't believe it. And almost immediately, Hillary took the bait and issued... Uh, a press release that said, I, I, can't, I can't believe that, I can't believe that Donald Trump is asking one of our political adversaries, our greatest political adversary, to commit espionage against me, which, of course, is her own brand of counter-programming. What Hillary wants you to think is... Trump mentioned the Russians and the emails, not what the contents of the emails happens to be, nor the fact that Hillary illegally burned them or somehow hid them or destroyed them. So she's hoping in the same sentence to get away with slicing and dicing this such that you care that you're outraged that Donald Trump says Well, I hope maybe the Russians could find the rest of those emails, which when you look at him or hear him say it, it was obviously sarcastic. It was obviously a joke. It was it was it was 
so evidently meant to taunt the media that was there in the room with him. He made reference to it. He said, uh, the closing uh, sentence was, for which I'm sure our friends here in the press would, uh, you know, reward you. And it was the press who was so outraged. But then, of course, Hillary was told by one of her advisors, oh, you need to be outraged, too. You need to be outraged, too. You should say that Trump is asking the Russians to spy on America and to spy on you. And so that's what Hillary said. And the media, having taken umbrage that that Trump mentioned them in the same sentence with the Russians and taunted them with the fact that the Russians can find emails that the American media can't. Oh, this was a circus. And you know what? Yada, 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 yada. It doesn't, in the end, matter exactly what Donald Trump said. It doesn't matter exactly, in the end, who took umbrage, who was offended. It doesn't matter exactly, in all of this, what the exact Russian Hillary email story is all about. It doesn't really matter tomorrow that you and I can give an accurate account of what the Russian email Hillary. Wait, was Bernie involved? Wait, with the New York Yankees, was A-Rod involved in this or was it HRC? See, it doesn't really matter. What matters is look what we're talking about. When you watch the news tonight, look what you're watching. See what you're watching. What you're watching is Donald Trump reach into last night's big moment at the DNC and yank it out of the stratosphere and strangle it. Strangle it and drown it and throw it overboard. That's what he's managed to do. That is his genius of counter-programming a media that is always slavishly dying to get his last words. No matter how offensive, you notice this? I can't believe it. I can't listen to Trump. He's so offensive. Wait, wait. I think he's going to say something else. They they can't wait to cover him. And virtually every time he says something that they cover, the purpose is to trick them into burying a story a creating a story about him and thus burying a story about his uh, political adversaries. And last night was the uh, arguably biggest, certainly one of the biggest nights the Democrats planned for their convention. And the news all day today and on into this evening will include the DNC, but the A block will be Did you hear what Donald said? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, get this, because can you believe the things that get lost, hidden in the laundry here? How about in the middle of all of this, 
that our national, America's national intelligence services are convinced, and I heard a four-star general today say this, our national intelligence services are absolutely convinced that Russia is in fact behind the hacking of information, emails, and everything available at the Democrat National Committee and the Republican National Committee and from Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State and the Department of State and the White House to the Pentagon to think tanks to political parties to major corporations to our own CIA we're watching the CIA CIA reports from the field what we're learning and one of the reasons that our spies are safe is that the Russians this is the opposite of the old days I knew a tiny bit about it because my father was an intelligence officer uh, after the war and uh well, you know, and I, I, clearly I didn't inherit a lot of intelligence. But uh, but seriously, if they had found out who our spies were, the operational code for that was you killed them. That's why it's so important when deep cover agents' covers are blown or compromised. But now, and I... I can only tell you I heard this from someone, you know, who knows that now the incredibly greater fear is that the Russians aren't killing our guys, which is that we not that we want them killed, obviously, but one of the checks and balances is, you know, they're still their covers are still good because they're still alive. Well, now these deep cover agents are reporting back to the CIA everything they know and then the Russians are hacking the CIA so that we know they know what we know so leave them alive DNC tonight with Obama this more tomorrow Severin. Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network